Alrighty, shows this week. You will uh, find me taking a little trip up the Bruce Highway. I think it's the Bruce Highway going up to the sunny coast. I'm going to be at the Soul Bar at Maroochydore on Tuesday the 6th of Feb. I think that kicks off about 7pm. Be stoked to see some of the uh, sunny coast listeners up there. And then Sunday the 11th, I'm going to be at the Bloodhound Bar. I think that's up in Fortitude Valley. So that's always a fun little room to, uh, to take part in. So come and check out either one of those shows this week and... Get ready for the episode. Cheers later. What's happening, everyone? Word on the streets is uh, they're starting to call this the old Thirst Crusher podcast. Uh, If that didn't make sense to you, then... That was the slogan for Solo back in the day. So you clearly didn't watch enough enough commercial television. But uh, anyway, yeah, another Solo podcast this week, which again, like I said, starting to starting to actually like these ones. Bit of bit of counselling for myself, uh, and a bit of just fucking get some stupid shit out that's happened in my week. I again kick off the podcast with something that literally just happened. I just went to the gym for the day because obviously I'm fucking getting so jacked these days. And when I walk into the gym, I I don't I think most guys do this and it's so fucking stupid, but whenever I walk into the gym, I'm like, oh, can't make eye contact with anyone. I've got to like act like I'm the biggest alpha in the gym, right? So as soon as I swipe my card, walk in the door, I'm always just staring at my phone. And part of it is to like pick the playlist or fucking album or whatever you want to say that I'm gonna to listen to while I'm at the gym, right? And this morning I'm walking to the bag racks and I'm like scrolling on my phone and I was just not paying attention. And out of nowhere, I get startled by this huge fucking jacked guy, right? And he goes, oh, hey, mate, how are you? And I look up and it's this kid that I, well, he's not a kid anymore. He's a fucking jacked adult. It's this guy I went to primary school with and we always sort of just like clicked a little bit, but he was one of those super cool kids like the kind of kid that like mum was like oh I don't want you to hang out with that guy like he was into all the hectic shit and stuff like that in primary school and um I ended up playing like footy with him a few years well not a few years maybe when I was like 21 or something like my last year of playing footy was with this guy and he was just he got banned for life because he got in this huge brawl like he was punching the referee and shit blah 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 and I look up at the gym this morning and it's this guy and he's got a big grin and this dude is like fucking The Rock's brother. Like he's got shoulders on top of shoulders. Like his neck just joins his fucking shoulders. And I'm like, oh, hey. And because he caught me off guard, I was just super in fucking beta mode and he was mega alpha, right? And because I awkwardly had my phone as well, I've reached out for... What could only be described as a soggy handshake? And normally I've got a pretty firm handshake. I'm normally pretty uh, pretty proud of my handshakes. They're pretty pretty strong. Obviously, I I gauge them on who I'm shaking hands with. I don't go and crush like old ladies' fucking palms like Ash probably would. But um, yeah, as I've reached out and I've started my soggy handshake, which is already embarrassing as fuck, this bloke's hand was legit like a fucking rock. Like it was so hard and overworked. Like he's, he must be like a concrete or a bricklayer or something these days. And he's just fucking completely crushed my hand. And the calluses on his hand, like 
it felt like he was cutting my hand as he was shaking my hand. And I was just like, oh, well, this has basically ruined any chance of us progressing this adult friendship now because he thinks I'm a, a little beta bitch because I don't have solid tradie hands. Even though I am a tradie, I'm like, I'm a half-assed tradie. I spend most of my time behind a computer these days. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's another little awkward moment I had this morning. So fucking hopefully... Hopefully someone else can relate to that. I know I had the handshake story ages ago, which I turned into a bit of a joke for for stage where I shook that builder's hand and he held on a little longer than I expected and I ended up smacking my own ass in front of him. That was on one of the earlier podcasts, so go back and listen to that if you want to. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a life recap for this week. Uh, probably the highlight of the week. And if you follow me on socials, you would have seen. My oldest son, Westy, started basketball this week, which is pretty sick when he said he wanted to play it because Nikita and I have been... I don't know why Nikita's putting such a push on it, but I guess I'm from like a somewhat football family and it's like a rite of passage. You have to play football. And Westy's obsessed with football, but he doesn't want to play it for some reason. I think it's because of like the tackling and shit. But anyway, we're like, what do you want to play this year? Because last year he played soccer. And it was just like he would stand in the outfield just looking off into the distance. Like he was not interested at all. Like one one game, prime example, the ball, he was open for a goal. The ball comes rolling over to him. He could have kicked the goal, but he's yelled out to Nikita and I, oh, look, there's two dogs over there. And like he missed the goal for his team. And we're just like, oh, my God, maybe maybe soccer isn't for you. But um. Yeah, so he's asked to play basketball this year, which is pretty cool. It's probably my second favorite sport, I guess. And it's been, I probably haven't watched the NBA for three or four years now, but I used to get right into it, especially back when I was in my betting days. I used to put a little bit of money on some basketball games to make it interesting. It's probably one of the easiest sports to bet on, to be honest, Um, because, yeah, you can bet on literally anything, um, which is sick. But... Yeah, Westy started and I've gone into his first training. It was on like Tuesday or something. So I've gone into his first training expecting Westy to do what Westy does at sports fucking events and shit like that. But we've got to training and I don't know why, but as soon as we walk through the door, he just got this like overconfidence and like keenness to do this that I hadn't seen in him before, which was good to see. And... Again, he's sitting with me before the training and I'm like, okay, when he goes out there, he's going to get all shy and awkward and shit like that. But he goes out there and he just starts like annihilating at training, like doing the best I've seen him do at anything. And he starts and he, again, doesn't talk to other kids, doesn't talk to adults, shit like that. But he's talking to his coach. He's asking her what he should do. Like when he does this, he's like telling his teammates, he's like, oh, pass, pass, or you run over there, like directing shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then they play a mini game at the end and he gets the first shot in the basket. And I've just gone like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's a weird thing to do as a parent, but I've just, because the coach looked at me and then I've looked back at her like, yeah, not bad, right? Like, like I was surprised as fuck. Uh, and then like that cocky parenting thing takes over and you're like, oh my God, my son is fucking going to go to the NBA. And... He got to a point in training where some of the other kids were like shooting and they were missing. So they were just looking to pass it to Westy and Westy was just sinking these fucking buckets. And I'm like, 
what the fuck is going on? So I'm like messaging Nikita saying, this is the sickest thing I've ever seen. And then his game, he had his first game on Saturday just gone. And I'm like, okay, this is probably where it's all going to go crumbling down. And we get to the game and it's there's hundreds of kids. And I'm like, this is when he's going to crawl into his shell and not not participate sort of thing. And it also, his coach that he had at training, it's a weird as fuck setup, but basically his coach that he had at training wasn't at the game. So it was like just these random kids that they're paying 20 bucks a game or something to referee. And I'm like, okay, he's going to shut down. And sure enough, we get there and he's in his shy, awkward mode. He's like chewing on his shirt, got his hands in his pockets, just looking up at the ceiling, shit like that. And then they go split him into teams and they go, okay, time to play. And as soon as the whistle went, he just fucking switch, snapped that switch again. And he played like the sickest six-year-old basketball game I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, he ended up getting like three or four. I don't know what they call them that young, but he got like three or four baskets. Um, and he was stoked as fuck on his little performance and Nikita and I were as well like we're sitting there looking at each other going what the fuck is happening right now but um yeah basketball's a pretty crazy thing there was another moment at his training and I was messaging Adrian and Ash while this was happening because I felt like the biggest creep but literally opposite where Westy was training there was probably like I don't know she might have been 14 15 year old girl and this chick was she must just go there every day after school and like trained to try and be in whatever Australia's version of the WNBA is, like the Women's League. And she did not miss one shot from anywhere she was standing on the court. And I was, it, like, blew my mind. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't be caught staring at a 14-year-old girl in fucking public. Like, that shit's going to make make local news that local podcasting comedian that is going nowhere has now been sent to jail for staring at a 14-year-old girl. So, but it, it just blew my mind that, someone that young can put in that much effort to try and progress, if that makes sense. So that was sick to see. Um, he also, uh, if you did see the post I put on socials, he scores one of the buckets from like, I don't know, it was pretty far out. There was no other kids near him and he's just taking the shot and it's gone swish. And he's looked at Nikita and I and then he's lifted both shoes and like slapped the back of them. And there's a, I forget who does it, I think, Maybe Kobe used to do it. Like one of the big NBA stars used to do it. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing for a six-year-old. So on the drive home, I'm like, why would you slap your shoes after you got your point? And he's like, <laughs> it's such a cocky and arrogant thing for a six-year-old to say, but I'm like, I fucking love this. He's like, I looked over and I saw you were recording, so I thought it'd look cool on the recording. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's actually fucking sick that you, before you made this like crucial shot as a six-year-old, you've looked over and gone, this is going to look sick on camera. I'm going to fucking slap my shoes after this goes swish. But um, yeah, I. Uh, what else has happened this week? We've fallen, like I fucking said at the start of the podcast, trying to hit gym and runs a little bit more. So I've uh, this week I've had my biggest run week of the year uh, and it's slowly progressed. So I think so far, today's Sunday, I think I've ran like 26 kilometers this week or something, which I get fucking nothing compared to some of you guys, but... Um, I'm pretty stoked on that. I think every week I've progressed maybe like 10% or something in my runs, which if I can keep going by the end of the year, then like, who knows, I'll be fucking running ultra marathons with David Goggins and Cam Haynes and shit. But, uh, the big thing that 
we've fallen off the bandwagon for this week is takeaway. Last two days we've fucking pretty much paid the wages for all of the KFC and McDonald's staff in our area. Um, and just for stupid shit as well. Like after Westy's good game yesterday, we're like, oh, we have to get Maccas after basketball. But that was fucking... And then we just eat it and we feel disgusting. So Nikita's literally grocery shopping right now. She's done this full meal plan to try and get us back on track. Which let's uh, let's hope that it does get us on track because all this running that I'm doing is just being replaced with Zinger burgers and fucking... I don't even remember what I get at Macca's anymore. I think I get their new like chicken classic or whatever the fuck it's called. Some stupid thing. But um, yeah, I I guess will lead straight into my comedy and fucking shit like that. So on, I've started and I don't know, I don't know if people like this or not. I feel like some people have liked it because it's been like, on my socials, it's probably my biggest like thing in fucking years. But I've started doing these stupid little videos. And if you go back to the start of this podcast, I think I even said, I don't want to be one of those like stupid TikTok fucking ske- sketch skit people. Um, I just want to do like the, the traditional path in comedy and shit like that. But uh, I re- that mower one that I did on... I showed you guys on the podcast and then posted on my socials. The amount of messages and shit I got from that saying it was fucking hilarious and blah, blah, blah. It sort of stoked a fire, I guess. And it was because it was fun as fuck to make that thing, just setting up the camera. And like back in the day when I was younger, I'd like hounded my parents for a little video camera and they got me one and I just used to love filming shit and, like, one of my cousins got me to film his wedding and shit like that. And I should not have been doing that as a 14-year-old. But um, it's probably the worst wedding video that's ever been filmed. But whatever. And it just uh, stoked that fire, I guess, again, of setting up cameras, picking, picking like, little scenes to shoot, coming up with dialogue, shit like that. And, again, early days of the podcast, I said I wanted to write, like, movies or tv series or something like that and i've got heaps of ideas for that but just never have not had the time or energy to put into that with trying to get the podcast and comedy off its feet but those little sketches are almost like a little little stepping stone into that world i think of just yeah like trying to get something funny into like the minute 30 that you have to work with uh which is difficult as well although people probably think that you just set up the camera, you get your minute 30, post it, and then it's sweet. But And again, that the last one that I did, what was that? That one was shit, and I fucking... Part of me wishes that I never posted it, but it's the whole thing, like, with the podcast of if I never started, then I'd still be, like, editing shit to this day, going, oh, that podcast isn't ready to see the light of day. But uh, the last one I did was basically... I found, like, the leaked... Kanye's about, like, supposed to release an album shortly... He was supposed to release it like a month ago, but he hasn't released it. And I got a leaked song. So I was like, oh. And I've had this premise written down for ages, but I haven't been able to write anything for stage for it. So that's another thing I'm thinking for these little sketches is all these premises that I've got that just don't seem to be either working on stage or I can't write a full joke about them. I'm like, I could do a stupid little skit about them and just post it so it's still out there. Uh Anyway, the second one I did was basically whenever I have shown a mate 
a new artist or a new song or something, the way they listen to it is completely different to the way that like I hear it. Like prime example, when uh, so Jake that was on the podcast in the early days, he he was on like three or four episodes. I showed him like two two years ago or something. Jelly Roll, who now Jelly Roll is blowing up. He's won Grammys. He's won almost every fucking country music award you can think of. And he's just, the world's obsessed with him. He's been on Rogan. He's been on every big podcast. And I showed Jake Jelly Roll two years ago. And he's like, this is fucking shit. He's like, ooh, Jelly Roll's so cool. And I'm like, cunt, you fucking wait. And now he has blown up. And I'm like, fucking, yeah. It's it just, it's weird to me that music can split people so differently. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to knuckle down into these little, skits or sketches whatever the fuck you want to call them and i found one literally yesterday so one of i think there's two guys that completely destroy the skit sketch market whatever the fuck you want to call it at the moment one of them is my new favorite comedian chomping on tom segura's heels pretty hard uh shane gillis uh he he has a little sketch show and fucking some of the shit he does on there is next level. But the other guy that's completely blown up from TikTok and is now a huge touring comedian and shit is Trevor Wallace. And he posted this one yesterday of, again, simple as fuck premise, but the way that he has like executed this video, he's basically, uh, it's annoying when you wash your car and then it rains straight after you wash your car. So I'll just play it for you on the podcast because I thought it was funny as fuck. Um, so beautiful car, beautiful day. Had a drop of rain in the sky. <laughs> Save that shit for Seattle. <laughs> Are you next, Craig? I got you. <laughs> no, I don't got you. <sighs> oh, forgot the bucket. No. Why are you doing this to me? I just lost you. I just lost you. Stop. My vision board. You wanted this clean? No. So I'm cleaning it for you. I'm supposed to go yachting today. Feel the rain on your skin. No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I found that funny, whether or not you guys find that funny. But again, just how such a simple premise can be put into a video like that, which I don't want to say how long it takes him. And obviously, he's got a crew that works with him. Um, but like something like, like that might take an hour to two hours to to sort of film and edit once you've got everything down pat like he would um, and then to post it and get thousands of fucking – he's probably got millions of likes and shares and shit like that on it, which is obviously helping him progress to the next level and shit like that. But, yeah, that, that shit I found funny. So expect to see a couple more videos. Again, some of them might be shit like that Kanye one that I did, but – some of them might hit like the uh, the mowing video that that people like. So shoot me a message. See what sort of see. Tell me if you preferred like the Kanye one or the mowing one. Nikita prefers the mowing one, but I can't just do a video of my everyday life and be like, oh, fucking thirty-one-year-old man unloading the dishwasher. Uh, like I feel like that would uh, get old very quickly. But um, on top of that, had a had a fair bit of comedy this week. Uh, doubled up. On Wednesday, I had the the atrium bar down at the Star Casino. St- the the Star Casino gig blows my mind. And at the start, 
first time I got that gig, I'm like, oh my God, like I get to perform at the Star Casino, like fucking it's the the highest of highs you can get, right? And I get to that first gig and all the comedians are out the back and they're like, oh, it's it's one of those gigs, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like the, there's a big crowd here. Like this is going to be insane. And luckily enough on that first night, I had a great set and I was like, this is sick. Like this is where I want to be. And since that night, like some of the sets there have been a little harder than others. And it's, it's a, it's like an amazing fun room to do, but I, I now understand what they mean by it can be a tricky room. So on Wednesday I did that, that room and hours before I knew I was doing that gig, the, the group chat got put together. One sec, my dog is barking. Oh, sorry about that. Long time listeners of the show will know exactly uh, why the fuck I had to go and shut my dog up, but yeah, a couple of hours before the show, I the group chat got put out and I found out that a good friend of the show, who is a previous guest, uh, I forget what number episode he was on, but if you search it, you'll find it, Tom Ballard was on the lineup, which is fucking sick. Obviously, probably one of, in the top tier of Australian touring comedians at the moment, uh, so I was obviously stoked to get him on the podcast when, in the early days when he said he'd come on. So I get to the atrium and obviously do the, we do the, oh, hey, how have you been, blah, blah, blah. And I expect, and I was running a couple of new bits on the night. And when I found out Tom was going to be on the lineup, I'm like, no fucking way. I'm just going to stick to classics. But I'm glad I tried the new bits um, because I obviously had to get them out at some point. And it was just a coincidence that Tom Ballard was there on the night. So I expected Tom Ballard to hang out the back with the other comedians like everyone else does, right? And he has... The show started, the MC's gone on stage and there's a spare seat right beside the stage and Tom Ballard goes and picks this seat to sit at for, like, the show. Obviously because he's not like the rest of us nervous fucks that have to be out the back rehearsing our set as if that's going to make any difference 30 seconds before we go on. But um, I was first up and I start with a couple of classics. They're going okay and then I start in the new year and they just fucking... They're not going the greatest. The the big laughs that I got, I still got big laughs, but those big laughs came from me acknowledging how shit those jokes were or shit like that. And then I did one joke, I completely lost the room and my next two jokes didn't land. And I'm like, I feel like I lost you guys on that last one. And all through me, like acknowledging how terribly I'm, not terribly, again, back to last week. I don't know why I think I do terrible, but while things weren't exactly working and I was like, fumbling, trying to rearrange what I'm going to say next to try and win the room back. All I can hear right beside the stage is Tom Ballard, like, laughing. I would like to think that he was laughing at my jokes, but he was probably laughing at how fucking shit I'm doing. Anyway, just hearing him laugh sort of got me through my set a bit. Got off, said my goodbyes because I had to shoot off to another gig. And I, um, I messaged him the next day and I'm like, oh, thanks for... Thanks for laughing at some of those tricky parts in my set, blah, blah, blah. And obviously he did like the polite, nice thing that he probably didn't mean, but you've got to say it to other comedians. He's like, no, you did super well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, this means the world. Uh, so then I shot down to the uh, the atrium and I uh, just also on that. So I touched on it last week when I think I do a terrible set, but then listen back to the recording. So 
all through me on stage thinking that I'm eating a dick and like thinking that Tom's the only fucking person laughing in the room. I get off stage and the room runner comes up to me and he's like, oh, it's pretty sick to kick your night off with a sneaky little crush. And I was like, I certainly did not crush, but thank you very much. And then the other comedians, as I was leaving, they're like, oh, that was a fucking sick set, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck were you guys listening to? But anyway, then I shot down to the avenue at Surface Paradise. And uh, this was after what I felt like I had a set at the atrium. I get to the avenue. The MC gets up and he cannot fucking break this crowd. They just were not, they were not there for it. I don't know why. Uh, everything he was saying was funny as fuck. I've seen him MC millions of times and he's always done a great job. And then the first act gets up and he struggles with them as well, like gets a few laughs, shit like that, but they just, again, I was like, these cunts aren't here to watch comedy. I don't know what they thought they were on, like what they were coming to see, but it wasn't dick jokes in Surface Paradise on a Wednesday night, which is, uh, that's top tier entertainment in my eyes. Like, But anyway, I get on second and I don't know why the fucking the comedy god shone down on me again, and I didn't fucking uh, like destroy the room or anything. But I had a a pretty sick set. I was happy with the way it went, considering how the room was. Uh, again, I tried the new jokes I tried just down the road at the atrium, and they landed a lot better in this room, which was nice. I didn't have to shit on myself at my terrible joke writing or anything like that in that room, uh, which was sick. And then I capped off the week at Matic Brewery on Friday. And I, again, Tom Ballard was the headliner. He he basically headlined all base gigs this week, which makes sense. If you're in the Gold Coast, why not fucking headline every show every night? But uh, yeah, this, this room was fucking insane. The most packed I've ever seen it. And everyone was like rowdy, ready to go, shit like that. And... Uh, I put so much pressure on myself for that show for a couple of big reasons. One, I wanted to do a safer set, I guess, to prove to Tom Ballard that I'm not the shittest comedian in Australia and he didn't waste his time coming on my podcast. And two, like I said, I want to try to get to Sydney and Melbourne this year. So I've messaged all the bigger clubs in Sydney and Melbourne to try and land spots there and then I'll fill the rest of my time there with open mics and shit. And I had a a big club in Sydney. Uh, so when I originally sent the, the emails, I attached an audio clip just because I didn't have a, a recent video clip that was like worth seeing for anyone. Um, so I attached the audio clip hoping that would be enough and this comedy club reaches back. They're like, oh, we liked your audio clip can you send us an, a recent video clip so we can see your stage presence and shit like that? And I'm like, fuck. So I knew I had that sick bass spot on Friday night at Matic. And I'm like, okay, I have to record this set. I know I'm, without sounding like a fucking arrogant cunt, I'm like, I know it's going to be a good set. Uh, but that pressure I put on myself, it almost felt like I was filming like a mini special. And I don't know why I did that to myself. But I... I set my phone up when I got there and David Hatton, who I've spoken about on the podcast, he's the guy that rejected me a few weeks ago to come on the podcast. Um, he got up and he fucking had an amazing set to kick off the night, right? He even like, 
I don't know if he was feeling all sorts of ways up there or just really vibing how his set went, but he like he got to the end of the set and did like superstar shit where he's like, you guys were an amazing crowd. Thank you for supporting fucking live comedy. Thank you guys so much. And like did this little speech to end his set, which was fucking insane to do. Um, I loved it. And then I was up second. So I've set my phone up and I'm like, all right, it's time. Get up there and I start doing my first couple of jokes and they're, they're like – it's going pretty well, I guess. Um, but then I start to get into my newer shit and I'm like, okay, this is not, I shouldn't have done these ones. I should have just stuck to pure classics, got the safe set on tape and sent that. But I'm like, whatever, I got to fucking progress as a comedian. This shit's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. So I work my way through them again, just shitting on myself to get myself through them. And then I finish and I my last joke, I finished on the fucking old faithful the dog bit that i've changed up a little bit as well and uh yeah that hits hard and i'm like okay hopefully i got enough on video to be half decent right i get off stage and i go up the back and david is laughing and he's like he's like dude i feel so bad like three quarters of your set there was like four different guys walking and standing in front of your camera and he's like i was gonna go move it but everywhere i went to move it, someone else was standing and it was going to happen. Like the room was fucking stacked and I'm like, fuck. So I didn't get a good recording. So uh, yeah, pressure's on for this week. I've got to set on Tuesday night that I need like that. And I, I don't want to do the same thing and put so much pressure on myself, but I, uh, I have to get this one on tape. So see how we go. But the highlight of the fucking night was there's a comedian in the scene and I've been on – a few shows with him. Super nice guy. His name's Ethan Simiana. And this dude gave the best fucking set I have ever seen from anyone that's not like a headlining touring comedian, if that makes sense. Like this dude's just in the barracks, like at open mics and shit with me at the moment. And he had this crowd fucking howling. Like he had this bit. I'm not going to give away any of his bits, but... It was like a bit about religion, which is super tiptoey. Like, but the way that he'd written this joke was insane. He had like applause breaks. Like, he had to wait for the crowd to like settle back down for legit, like sometimes possibly 20 seconds. Like, it was nuts. And then, like, even when he finished his set, some people were standing up and shit, which is insane to see it like a local show. But yeah, he fucking killed it. So if you haven't seen him yet, Try and follow him on socials and fucking see if you can go catch him at a show. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on about the comedy before I talk about some of the other shit I got on here is it's completely... I just dropped my bottle cap, so that's fucking sick. I hope no germs fly in my water for the remainder of the uh, the episode. This has completely snuck up on me. And a lot of our episodes this time last year were heavily dependent on the Australian Raw Comedy Competition. Uh, I wasn't going to enter this year. I know a lot of people haven't entered this year that I sort of talk to regularly uh, just because of the fact, A, they either want to get better before they enter the competition again or B, they have almost accepted the hype, I guess, that uh, some of some of our jokes aren't going to be featured on the ABC, I guess is a nice way to put it. And that's where I'm at. I know... No matter how long I write, like how no matter how long I wait, sorry, but my set is not going to be on the ABC. Like 
they're not going to be like, next up, James Misson, and just have me talking about finger and dogs and shit like that on television. Um, but that's not to say that in the future I fucking don't hope to be on something like the, the Melbourne International Gala or anything like that. But at this stage, where my skill levels is, it's just shitty little dick jokes, and I think we've acknowledged that enough. But, yeah, last year the scene was just every gig you're at, you were just like, they were like, oh, have you got your, your set ready? Have you, what jokes are you doing? Are you doing this one? Oh, maybe you should drop this one. And this year I have not heard, I've been to so many gigs this year and not once has someone been like, oh, what are you doing for Raw? It's just like, I don't know if it's snuck up on everyone, like it's snuck up on me or just if people don't give as much of a fuck this year. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I got my set on the, I think it's Sunday the 18th of Feb, which I think is in about two weeks. Um so if anyone does want to come along and support, it's probably one of the uh, one of the gigs to get to, just because it's always packed. The crowd's always super nice because it's always relatively new comics to the scene, shit like that. So yeah, come come check that out. I don't know what set I'm doing yet. I plan on sitting down this week and trying to map out a set, and obviously trying to structure that in my next couple of weeks to get it down pat. Best case scenario for me, if I can make it through my heat to the semis again, which I did last year. That would be – I'd be stoked on that, but uh, obviously no pressure. I think last year was a bit of a fluke, but uh, see how we go. I also watched – Adrian's going to be fucking pissed that he wasn't here again for this, but I've started dabbling into movies and documentaries and just watching shit again, which obviously he would love considering everything he says. I still haven't watched anything he's recommended, but uh, – I'm watching shit, which I guess is a, a a step in the right direction. So this week, I I had a fair bit of like quoting and shit to do for my job this week. So, and I just could not keep myself in front of the computer. I'm like, this is so fucking boring. I was listening to podcasts and I was just like, this, it's not doing it for me. So I go on Netflix and the first thing that's recommended to me and I've seen it before, is the Kanye West documentary, which I was like, oh, that could be good to watch again. And if you have not seen this documentary, even if you're not a fan of Kanye, which I know he's, you're either a Kanye fan or you hate him, and either way, he blows the fuck up. But this documentary is nuts. To have the confidence that he did before he was anyone to start filming himself, knowing that in the future... He's going to be someone like it's almost like him and Conor McGregor are two people that were just so confident in themselves and um, yeah, just sort of spoke their, their dreams into reality sort of thing. My dog is barking again. One sec. All right. I'm back. Two dog breaks in one episode. Aren't you guys uh, lucky? But yeah, the Kanye West documentary. Um, fucking go watch it because it literally shows him from the start, like literally just making beats for other rappers, but deep down he always knew he wanted to be like the superstar sort of thing. And then he finally progresses. He gets the deal with Rockefeller Records, which is Jay-Z's record label, but still they don't give him studio time or anything like that to progress. They just basically want him to make beats for their rappers. And he goes out of his way to then use studio time after he's recorded with rappers to record his own songs in his own time and like self-funded shit like that. And then he finally gets in front of Jay-Z and he's like, I want to rap on one of your songs. And 
Jay-Z obviously sees him firsthand and blows the fuck up. Like, it's insane. And then obviously it captures his, uh, his downfall with his whole mental illness thing that he goes on, like, that he has, which is insane that the world literally looks down on him so much when... Because he goes on all these meds and he basically loses his mind, which, uh, yeah, I've I've spoken on the podcast before about, like, people trying to put me on meds and shit like that and they just fuck with my brain. So I don't want to say I'm like Kanye. I'm basically the Kanye West of comedy. Uh, I think that's what people are saying out there. So, um, But, yeah, even back to, like, the college dropout, it, here's a little challenge for you. If you watch the documentary and then you go and listen to the college dropout and understand what Kanye did to get that album out there and where he was at in his life, that it just fucking, like, every song just hits so much harder. And to know that he almost lost it all because he basically when he, like, got the record label and all that, he's like, okay, my life's sorted. He got in a crazy car accident, fucked up his entire everything, and he broke his jaw and it had to be wired shut for it to heal and shit like that. Uh and he had to record the album by a certain time for the release date, but obviously with a wide jaw, he can't do it. So he writes this song while he's in hospital called Through the Wire and he raps it with his jaw wired shut, um, which is fucking an insane thing to do. And the song is insane. Like it shows it, it has him showing like Pharrell and shit like that, which are obviously superstars in their own right. And they're like, this is the best thing I've ever fucking heard. But yeah, go check it out. Um, couple of other things I watched. We watched uh, American Nightmare, which is a three-part documentary series thing on Netflix. And again, every podcast in the world is talking about it, things like that. But I had somewhat of my own spin on it, which I haven't heard another podcast talk about it. And I guess it's from personal fucking shit that's happened, I suppose. But my little spin on it, long, long story short, I guess a little recap on what it is uh a boyfriend and a girlfriend basically get a a home invasion relatable uh and they the lady gets kidnapped right and the guy wakes up the next day because he got drugged and he calls the cops and they're super suspicious on him from the start obviously like i think there's a percentage where like 80 percent of like wives or girlfriends going missing is done by the partner which I guess makes sense. But anyway, the cops are super suspicious on him. He has this big story. He's telling him a hundred times, blah, blah, blah. And every, every time he tells it, it's exactly the same story. He's not going off on any tangents. And the cops are just being such fuckheads to him like the whole time. Like they're, they're basically just trying to make him admit, which I understand as a cop, you have to do that to try and make the person like – admit but they start falsifying shit like his lie detecting test and things like that and they're like you failed the lie detecting test when he didn't it came back as uh like unreadable results or something like that and then randomly three days later the girlfriend comes home like she doesn't get it's it's a random scene like it's filmed on like a ring camera or something like that like she just walks into her dad's house as if nothing happened. And then obviously the cops start asking her questions and it's all, you should just fucking watch it. But the whole thing, the cops just start 
not believing her and shit like that. And they try and spin the whole thing around to the movie Gone Girl just came out at the same time this happened. And it's more or less the same plot line. Like wife goes missing and then she randomly shows up a few days later. So they think that they're trying to reenact this movie. And it's just so frustrating to watch these two people try and explain to the FBI and cops and shit like that their story. And they're just like, nah, not a chance. You guys are lying. And they basically ruin these guys' lives. Like the cops come out on TV and they're like, oh, these guys have been wasting our resources, shit like that. And it's like, oh, my fucking God. Like, yeah, it's like I've had the story that I've said on the podcast before about how frustrating how frustrating it was with our home invasion that cops just didn't want to do fucking anything. Matt came on and told his story about like his stepdad doing what he did. Cops didn't want to fucking help any help anyone and shit like that. So yeah, it's and I get it's a sketchy fucking job to be a cop, but I don't know. Watching that documentary is very eye-opening about how corrupt and not wanting to help people some police are and not saying all police some some police are great uh blah 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 and yeah obviously spoiler alert if you don't want to know how the documentary ends skip in three two one basically it comes out that there is a guy going around committing this crime and he's a like serial sex offender shit like that and yeah, again, even when they find this out, the cops don't want to investigate whether he's involved in this case because they want to believe the story they've made up. And it takes this this cop from towns over to tie it together. She comes and meets these people and she basically ties the crimes together. And she, there's all these reasons why the cops didn't want to investigate, which watch the documentary if you want the full thing. But uh, yeah, they got paid out by the the government or police force, whatever, $2.5 million to try and try and be like, oh, we're sorry we didn't listen to you sort of thing. And I get $2.5 million is a pretty hefty chunk of change, but like they were saying on there, every job interview they go to, every time they walk down the street, it's like, oh, there's the phonies that tried to fucking cover up their, their little abduction story they had. So it'd be frustrating to have to live the rest of your life like that. But um, yeah, the other thing that we watched... I uh, when we first got Netflix, we we didn't jump on the Netflix bandwagon like everyone else. But when Netflix first came out in Australia, there was the documentary that sort of blew Netflix up, and it was called Blackfish, right? And I think a lot of people would have seen this documentary, but Nikita and I missed it in its first cycle of Australian Netflix, so we never watched it. And in the last week, it's been released back onto Australian Netflix, so. Last night we were like, oh, let's fucking, let's watch it. And Nikita's obsessed with animals, right? And like we go we go to zoos and SeaWorld and all that shit and part of Nikita, like she likes seeing the animals but it's also like they're trapped in this little box for their whole lives. Like it can't be the best way to live. But basically Blackfish is a documentary showing almost like the animal cruelty of SeaWorld in America where they keep their uh, killer whales in captivity or orcas, whatever, however you want to refer to them, which is insane to keep an animal that big, like a killer whale, in a tank for its entire life. And you just watch the progression of 
like natural killer whales have like the vertical dorsal fin and then all the ones in SeaWorld just have like a curved one because scientists have like tied it to depression and shit like that. And you just watch this documentary and you watch these like SeaWorld fishermen out in the ocean just capturing these like baby killer whales from their parents and taking them back and shit like that. And just the torture that they do to some of these whales with rakes and stuff like that to make sure they listen during the shows and stuff. And then people watch the shows and obviously they're these amazing shows because you're watching these killer whales like tow these trainers around and throw them in the air and shit like that, which is insane to be doing to one of the most dangerous animals in the world. But they think they've got them trained and then they start, then the documentary starts going back to all the times that killer whales in captivity have killed trainers and killed like so many people. And the only thing is that... There was one crazy fucking scene in the documentary. I don't know if anyone else picked up on this, but there's these two ladies talking about their friend that was a trainer who got, uh, I forget if she got her like leg bitten off by a killer whale as she was walking past the pool or something, but something like that. And she ended up dying, like getting dragged in the water and dying. And one of the friends, while she's explaining this lady's death, and Nikita and I are like, we don't know if she is autistic or she has like a little tick when she's in uncomfortable uncomfortable like conversations but she was smiling she's like yeah so then she like she got murdered like in front of our eyes and then she'd like smile and do this awkward look into the camera and it was fucking insane to see but um yeah the the kicker of the whole thing is i fell asleep about halfway through so i don't actually know how the documentary finished but nikita told me it's the saddest thing she's ever seen so in my head though I, I am going to go and finish the last half just so everyone knows. But at the moment, in my head, I can think two different ways of the documentary. I can go the Nikita route and be depressed about killer whales being trapped in captivity and shit like that, which I know is the reality because uh, Rogan gets that guy on like once a year that's trying to free that. I forget what it is. It's like a seal or something from sea life in Canada. <clears throat> So I know the orcas and stuff are all still in captivity. But I'm leaning towards trying to believe that like the end of the Blackfish documentary is just like the start of Free Willy or something like that. So it's like a happy ending story, which I know it's probably not going to be, but uh, you can always hope, right? You can always hope. And uh, the last thing, the last thing I thought we could touch on together on uh, the solo episode because not all my co-hosts or guests or anything like that are into the uh, UFC, but there's a big card coming up this week, UFC 298, headlined by a uh, one of the GOATs, the Australian, Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, which I know is a super Australian-sounding name. But, um, yeah, he's versing. And I don't know how to feel about this fight, because it can go... It depends which lane of the hype you buy into, right? So, obviously, Volk is fucking seems indestructible in the cage. Like the amount of times he's been in so much trouble and just worked his way out of it and just won. And then he's now versing one of the top contenders who's a young dude coming up, um, Tapuria. And this dude's undefeated. I think he's like 14 and 0 or something. So it's like, oh, fuck, is this guy, is this the guy to beat Volk um, and take his title away? Which I wholeheartedly uh, hope he's not, but... Could happen, could happen. So I'll tune in. My money's going to be on Volk. Volk by, it's either going to be knockout or, or uh, 
points, but I'm going to go knockout. Hopefully he knocks him out, takes his undefeated record. Uh, then we've got another Australian. For It's controversial to call him Australian. I'm going to call him Australian, but he's like Kiwi Australian. Robert Whitaker, one of the best before Izzy came and knocked him off his perch. He's versing Paulo Costa, who is a giant jacked bitch, basically. The amount of fights and, like, he's pulled out on so many fights, he's missed so many weight cuts, and he's just, like, he just looks like a giant balloon, basically. But uh, I hope Whitaker goes in there. He's on a bit of a, a skid at the moment, and I hope he can go in there, knock out Costa, get back in contention for the title now that Izzy doesn't have it, and hopefully get the title back. It would be good to see him get the title again, but uh, fingers crossed. And then what else we got on here? Here's the little here's the little sleeper on the card that I don't think there hasn't been much hype built up about this one, but I think this is going to be fight of the night. Uh, Marab, I don't know how to say his last name. It's like Devashili or something, and Henry Cejudo, who used to be one of like the best. So this dude was a a two time Olympic gold medalist, and then he won two UFC titles as well. So he's he's arguably one of the best combat athletes in history. If you look at his like uh what's the fucking word? His like record basically. I forget what the word the word I'm looking for is. But um the interesting thing here is Marab is training partners with Aljamain Sterling, who's the current uh what what weight is he? He might be like Bantamweight champion, I think. So they're in the same weight class, but they refuse to fight each other. So now Sterling's moving up and Marab's fighting Cejudo for sort of like a contender contender fight for the vacant title if so if Sterling vacates it. But that's my sleeper. I hope Marab wins just because I fucking hate Cejudo and his whole cringe thing that he does. And the last one, I don't know why this is on the fucking prelims because... I don't know. I guess they needed a big fight for the prelims. I got the itchiest fucking nose right now. If you guys are watching right now, I haven't just done like 12 lines of coke or anything. I don't know what's fucking happening. But uh, yeah, this one's been thrown on the prelims. We've got the king of Logan City himself, Justin Taffer, on the lineup. And he's, uh, he's a heavyweight beast who just, if he connects with one of his hands, like this, the dudes just go to sleep. And it's so sick to see him like full old school Mark Hunt, like just swing and know that you've knocked this dude out and once you've swung you just turn your back and walk away like that's just so ice cold and vicious to do that to someone and uh yeah he's he's currently starting to take the crown of the walk out walk off knockout and i hope he does it again the dude he's fighting is a fucking beast with a pretty good record so it's going to be one of his hardest fights in a while and i just hope he hope he swings and gets one of them to connect but um yeah one of one of Logan's own. I know how it is to to struggle with that come up in Logan. You know what I mean? Us us battlers here. We're not in Brisbane or the Gold Coast, but yeah, I let's uh let's all get on board. Put a bit of a multi on Volk, Whitaker, and Taffer, and kick back and rake in those millions. But appreciate you guys hanging in there for another solo. Uh, we will work out what's going on. Try get Adrian in again here next week. Basically, I won't say what's happened this week. He can address it next week if he wants to. But, yeah, thanks for hanging in there for another solo, and we'll see you next week.